the mentality of us, we, they, right, as data professionals is what gets measured gets done. Welcome to the Data Chief. The Data Chief is a podcast for data and analytics leaders to share their personal stories and insights on technology, culture, and leadership. Today's guest is Stefan Harris, the CDO of VMware. Stefan has more than 20 years of experience in the data, analytics, and professional services fields. He and Cindy discuss growth, diversity in tech, being a change agent within your organization, bias in AI, data for good, the talent gap, data fluency, and more. The Data Chief is presented by our friends at ThoughtSpot. ThoughtSpot makes it easy for you to use search and AI to analyze your company's data, lightning fast. Business people at companies like Walmart, Hulu, and 7-Eleven use ThoughtSpot to quickly uncover new insights and turn them into action. And you can too. Learn more at ThoughtSpot.com. This week on The Data Chief, I am thrilled to welcome Stefan Harris, one of my favorite people, CDO of VMware. Stefan, welcome. Thank you so much, Cindy. It's a pleasure to be here and looking forward uh, to our conversation today with ThoughtSpot. Me too. So I have to set the record straight on one thing, Stefan. I bumped into you in the airport in SFO as you were heading to this exotic place. Where were you going? This was when I was traveling, uh, heading out to Mexico. So we were outbound to Puerto Vallarta, absolute beautiful location on the planet. And uh, those days of R&R definitely were well-needed, well-deserved, and ramped me up to, to be here with you today. Oh, excellent. I just wanted to confirm, I was not stalking you to book <laughs> you as a guest on this. <laughs> it would have been okay if you were. I love you so much. So this is, this is great. This is great. <gasps> great, great. So you and I have been in this space for a long time. And I try to remember, did we first meet at a TDWI conference a really long time ago? That is correct. Great memory, Cindy. Um, we did. We met at a TDWI conference. You at the time, I think, were playing multiple roles, one of which was really guiding the content and the education for you know a large portion of the TDWI events. And um, we got connected. I think I sat in on one of your one of your courses where you were basically helping us understand how to move from EDW to best-in-class visualization uh, around data sets. And um, it was a powerful course, but a powerful connection that obviously has maintained our uh, business and personal relationship for years now. Yeah, that's great. And I would call you one of those BI, data and analytics people, that you are a change agent because you you change companies and industries frequently. So tell us a little bit about your journey as a data chief. First of all, thank you for that, by the way. But interestingly enough, I've, um, I've had quite a, what I would call, different career path, meaning my background uh, in education is in aviation and aerospace. I spent some time, you know, right out of college in the professional services consulting space, 
I also landed uh, where I was you know, learning to build you know, ERP systems, which were very, at the time, focused on improving manufacturer operations primarily, but had a very large dependency on reporting right out of the uh, traditional warehouse environments. And so that's really where I started to, I guess, get my hands dirty. Uh, with respect to data and data incorporations. Over the years, that started to evolve as the, what I would call buzzwords in this space unfolded. So we went from things like knowledge management, right, which was a big focus. And really at the heart, our lowest common denominator, we're talking about the data. And so from, from EDWs to the, to the era of knowledge management, to the era of business intelligence, uh, to the era of now, uh, analytics, advanced analytics, and driving insights as a core component of a of the strategy of many corporations. I've served in many roles. I had an interesting opportunity where you know my team and my data platform was core to the Columbia accident investigation. Um, so if you remember STS-107 disintegrated upon reentry, that became a very pivotal moment, not only for me, but for the team that I was leading as a contractor working for the Ohio Aerospace Institute directly contracting with, uh, with NASA. And so that really started to shape and inform my not only career path, but also the importance of understanding data, its role, and what the potential impact can be when there is an absence of fact or misinterpretation of data. So that became a very pivotal time you know, in my professional journey as it relates specifically to data, right? And understanding the importance of the role of data in terms of, um, you know, not being absent of fact, but when mm-hmm. there is an absence of fact and or the uh, incorrect assessment of what the data is telling you, you create these opportunities for the risk window, right, to be elongated and much more challenging to manage. And so through that era, I learned the importance of how to properly represent the data, not only to support storytelling, right, um, but also to drive um, things like what is the risk profile? How should leadership think about uh, uh, the context in which we are framing the data to, to go along with the story, right? And what is most relevant and important? And so that just continued to sharpen throughout my years of experience as I, you know, spent almost nearly 20 years or more in management consulting. I will always reflect on my days with Capgemini where, you know, I was instrumental in helping to really build uh, the North American uh, big data and advanced analytics practice. That's That then uh, helped me sort of transition into a role where I was three down from the CEO at Wells Fargo, um, reporting to the chief data officer there really cutting my teeth on, you know, core to this profession, right? Standing up and addressing regulatory uh, compliance, right? Through flexible architecture. So building out an integrated risk and finance data architecture to provide transparency in data for the regulators. 
Uh, I had the fortunate opportunity of, of being at Wells during that time. Great company. I also landed in the tech space after leaving Wells and joined Facebook and another great company, right? Uh, digital native and very different from highly structured, uh, highly governed, highly processed and policy driven to, um, you know, more of a uh, sort of open, flexible, creative and inspiring environment that really was looking for more process controls and governance. And so in the role of the global head of data management uh, and data quality for Facebook, I did not touch any of the social side. I was primarily driving and responsible for the platform that allowed all of our customers to do advertising on the platform. So managing that customer data set, if you will. Yeah. Wow, Stefan. So, so many industries, so many roles. And I would imagine compared to some CDOs that the fact that you had to actually build the ERP system, you have a better understanding of what happens in the transactional world versus what we're trying to extract and mine for value in the insight and data world. Do, do you do you think that's true or how, how does that help you? You know, that's a very interesting and both relevant point, right? Um, that certainly helps me have an understanding of A, uh, where the potential opportunities for disconnect can occur when you're talking about core transactional data, the relationship of that transactional data to core master data, and not only how you manage, govern, and provide consumption models around that to the various parts of your corporate ecosystem, but really where the rubber meets the road is in distinguishing the how and what you master versus the context that needs to be brought into focus for different parts of the enterprise in terms of how they consume that data, right? And the the construct of managing, here's the common definition for customer at the enterprise or corporate level. But when I double click as a, you know, finance function, how do I need to see the data represented uh, as it comes together from a transactional and a master data perspective, from a go-to-market or sales perspective, from a product uh, relationship perspective, from an HR perspective, right? So there's so many different components that will drive views uh, that are relative to those individuals that are leading functions within an organization, but more importantly, where we're really seeing the momentum um, sort of build is around those customer views, customer defined views, and the challenges in not only managing, maintaining, and providing um, capability, but uh, what is the real insight that that folks are are after? Yeah. So these different perspectives, I think that always really matters depending on the data you're looking at. So I'm going to take a timely example, the coronavirus. So mm-hmm. I would understand v- VMware is, is first and foremost looking where are your people, but also understand there was some uh, back orders related to particular products, the SD uh, WAN appliances. Tell us how you've been using data to navigate this crisis. Yeah, I think I think this is not only timely but also relevant, not only for uh, for the purposes of this discussion, but for the broader audiences, you know, globally that that 
you know, are also dealing with this. I think the very first step is just understanding when data creates a competitive advantage and when it doesn't, right? And having a set of guiding principles around um, the intent, the use, and the guidance. Um, More importantly, the governance governance, uh, uh, you know, controls, um, uh, to support how that data is used must be very, very front and center so that when you have examples like the current crisis hit, um, you can quickly assemble those data assets for purposes of employee safety and health guidance, coupling that data with, you know, internal and external, uh, sources, for example, uh, with the CDC um, and being able to quickly visualize where you have opportunities for risk to your employees, um, where you have opportunities of risk to your customer ecosystem. And then as you think about, um, you know, how you disseminate, how you control, how you act on that information, being able to uh, inform in a timely fashion is of utmost priority, right? When you think about crisis management at large. For sure. In particular, right, part two, you know, of your question, I think for us, this is, you know, it's it's a transition in terms of business models and systems and processes. And so um, I think any business who is in a high growth um, with large amounts of transformation from you know, one business model to the next. In this case, ours just happens to be perpetual to hybrid, you know, to SaaS slash subscription. There's a lot of um, uh, digital cadence that comes along with that um, uh, that transformation, which I know many other companies are experiencing. And VMware is just cresting that. And so I think we are certainly much more prepared for round two than we were for round one. But I, you know, I consider it as a growth opportunity, a learning opportunity, but also a a pretty good wake up call. For sure. So (laughs) Stefan, you're always so positive. So yes, it's a growth opportunity. And I think, I think most organizations would say, I don't want to say they were ill-prepared, but just there's a lot of learnings uh, from from this crisis. I, I do want to, you know, you mentioned Wells Fargo, so I'm going to pivot a little bit. And I have to disclose 25-year customer of, of Wells Fargo. They Whatever money we have, they have it. Whatever debt we have, they have it. Um, <laughs> I'm so, in a similar uh, situation. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there you go. You never changed uh, bankers when you left. But, I did it. But, you know, so so they use data. They had great data, but they they've gone through some issues, probably just as as you were transitioning, where they attribute the culture to why they got into the situation where bankers were opening accounts that were not legitimate. So as you think back to your time at Wells Fargo and now at VMware, how do you view the role of culture as it relates to, you talked about the need for the absent, well, what happens in an absence of facts and an incorrect assessment? 
Yeah, so there's a there's a lot to unpack there, Cindy. Um, you know, what I will say is that when you talk about an institution that's 125 years old and has its roots built originally, right, kind of starting in the transportation area, but we know them largely today to be financial services. Mm-hmm. And so the stagecoach was a real thing, <laughs> certainly before my time and your time. But as, as you think about the culture of that organization, I first have to say that I think the intent of leadership was positive and directional in terms of doing what's best for the customer. You know, I kind of liken this to if you have five different BI tools and you point those BI tools at the same data set, the translation through the semantic layer, when you move from the source through that tool, it's going to give you a slightly different perspective on that data based on the design of the tool, right? And I think you and I have seen this across the board. You won't necessarily get the same answer, just in the same way as if, you know, I whisper something in your ear and you make its way around the, a table of five or 10 people, the story changes. And so I think what really you saw unfold in the public, unfortunately, was um, that dynamic and the translation from the CEO down to operations, the change in what was originally intended for good, but ended up um, being an opportunity for bad actors, right? And so that's not just something Wells experienced. Facebook also experienced right. that. Every org, every, every org, org I would say. right? Yeah. And uh, none of us are um, immune from it. But I think this is where, you know, the rise of functions like uh, the CISO, the Chief Information Security Officer, um, the rise of functions like the Chief Data and Analytics Officer, and the role of governance, policy, administration, um, ensuring that you've got end-to-end visibility with positive change controls in place to allow you to measure, analyze, and monitor, um, but also to be proactive. So when you have signals that would dictate or open your risk aperture broader than you want, you are alerted, right? So what is the early warning system, right, that allows organizations to understand when their risk exposure is increasing and they should take action. Um, Or in the current scenario where the stock market, right, is going in the wrong direction and we need the circuit breaker to kick in. And I think that um, just from a basic set of guiding principles needs to be foundational in the architecture for companies of this digital age. For sure. I mean, this is where one of the aspects in ThoughtSpot, we want that proactive alerting in everything. So if if you picture in VMware, what would be your hope of where where does data have the biggest impact today and where do you want it to have a bigger impact going forward? Yeah, before I before I jump to that, I do want to close out on your question, right? Because I think when we think about culture, it does play a huge role. The mentality of 
you know, us, we, they, right, as data professionals is that, um, you know, what gets measured gets done. Well, culture Mm -hmm. is one of those things that's very, very intangible and hard to measure, even though we have mechanisms like employee surveys, um, you know, the voice of, you know, company X, Y, and Z. Um, So there's ways to get certain signals that give us indicators. But but again, culture is one of those things that's difficult to really measure. And you have to sort of figure out what's most relevant um, to align what you measure to the sort of core values of the company and keep the pulse there as you drive, you know, and execute on whatever the said strategy may be. Yeah. So, so culture is a soft thing mm-hmm. and people say, well, okay, if my culture is not ha- pursuing the positive outcomes or resistant to change, or not fact-driven, change the people, change the incentives, measure it. That's where I see you as a serial change agent, <laughs> um, whether you agree with that label or not. But but I also think at VMware, you're lucky to have people that have come from the data industry. I mean, look at Sanjay Poonin, you know, mm-hmm. running data and analytics at SAP for so long. So, so you have a team with you that values data from the beginning. Do you agree or disagree? That is so spot on. I mean, I'll start with my boss, Zane Rowe, who's the CFO here at VMware. I mean, Zane's experience where he was at United Airlines, I mean, he ran revenue operations, right? Uh, Probably the most critical function and role for the airline um, because every piece of data relative to the movement of aircraft globally becomes a relevant data point for him at every minute and hour of the day, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so I have that support plus the Sanjay um, support. And then I have folks inside that have said, we need more insights. We need help understanding how to digest and consume and operationalize it. And so the momentum of the executive level support with the demand profile of the rest of the organization has really created a huge opportunity and platform here at VMware. So you're having more demand. So if you think about where the industry and your work was, say, five, 10 years ago, where it is today and where you want to take it, what's your vision here? There's nothing more important than the customer, right? I mean, our focus in this particular space is making sure that A, we take a customer slash employee first approach, right? And so when I say customer, right, I include our employees as part of customer. And the reason I say that is because A, we're people, right? And B, we're the ones that we, you know, the internal uh, customers are the ones that are helping to serve the external customers and partners and ensuring that A, we've got the right information that is both relevant, timely, that is informing, and that adds value, right? So, We shouldn't only be communicating what I would call the basic diagnostics, right? So like, you know, when you look at your car, it'll tell you how fast you're going, but help our customers understand not only what's next, but what's three times out, right? Where you need to be thinking about your strategy, your focus, your organizational plan, your products, your customer and partner ecosystem. How do we help better inform that so that not only are we bringing a fully capable stack of technology, but 
sitting around that are insights that will help drive adoption, what I would call growth, and also the ability to effectively manage risk on all sides of uh, the customer ecosystem. Right. So growth and VMware has been growing. (laughs) Revenues up 12%, subscriptions up 52% year over year. So that's great. So it's it's doubling down on that. It's certainly doubling down on that. I think um, I think you know balancing the the equation of growth that allows you to still be able to serve and and add value in perpetuity to that growth is important because you know we've seen companies grow at such a rapid pace but then they hit a wall in terms of being able to support and service those customers as a result of that fast growth and i think vmware has just been one of those companies that have had steady growth and yes there's been history right um uh, with vmware but when you look at uh, history that sits behind our current ceo um it's been you know i I can't even count the number of quarters, but greater than 16 quarters, quarter after quarter, where we've had growth. And and, and that speaks volumes, not only to the leadership, but it also speaks volumes to understanding how to pace yourself properly as guided by your vision and the future growth of the company, but also the ability to meet the demands of your customer base and your partner base and bringing the talent along with you on that journey, because that's equally as important as the uh, the objective of growing the company is also growing the people. Excellent. So, so growing at a good pace, but also making sure you can provide the best in class customer service at that pace. That's, that's, exactly that's good. Right. So you mentioned talent. So I'm going to pivot a little bit. Uh, we share a common passion about diversity in tech, yes. or or dare we say, um, poor diversity <laughs> in tech. So tell me why you care about this and what you're doing about it. Oh, I um, I, I love this. Let, let me start with saying that I was just recently uh, nominated as one of the executives to sit on our VM Inclusion uh, Council, which is where we focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion um, as advisors to uh, our CEO, our chief people officer, and business leaders of VMware. So I'm honored uh, to be to be serving on that number one. Um, Secondly, I think uh, understanding diversity um, uh, really requires understanding that it's more of an equation, right? It's diversity plus equity plus inclusion are sort of the foundational requirements to getting to a place where this industry and others, tech in particular, are able to adopt, adapt, and transform. And I think, you know, certainly where there are gaps in terms of gender equality, race, there are equal gaps that exist when it comes to diversity of thought, diversity of location, locale, and geography, and diversity of knowing how to operate within whatever constraints or environment you may be currently existing or coexisting in, where you can have a role in helping your local teams, your broader teams, your customer uh, uh, ecosystem, or just 
your office mate benefit by bringing those parts of the diversity, equity, and inclusion equation to every, um, bringing those uh, components of the equation into your everyday uh, behaviors and how you operate. Right. Yeah. So I, I do think the data and analytics industry as a sector within tech is a little bit better than some of the industries, but still huge room for improvement. And particularly as we start to bring in AI, the risk of bias at scale is all the greater. And you shared a story with me about mm-hmm. a facial recognition program you you tested at a conference. Can you yes. share that? Yes, I will. Um, you know, first I'll say, I'm very proud to be part of VMware because it's it's active, it's on the agenda, and our CEO and chief people officer have basically uh, tied goals to our bonus and compensation uh, to ensure that we're doing the right thing, uh, not only as a company, um, but being a pace setter and a leader in this yeah. space in tech. So Interestingly enough, um, obviously, AI is a hot topic at VMware. And while I was at the World Economic Forum in Dalian, China last year, um, I came across a technology that um, I believe an institution out of Australia had been piloting. Um, and so it basically would provide uh, a scan of your face. It would give you a disposition relative to your, you know, your age, your race, gender. I mean, it, I mean, it, you know, it, it would tell you all these interesting data points about yourself just based on analyzing uh, your, your face. And so interestingly enough, it analyzed me as male. So it got that part correct. Thank God. Um, <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with any other gender, but I, I, yeah. I you know, uh, like Lady Gaga said, I was, I was born this way. Um, <laughs> but, um, but what it, what it also did is, you know, I'm, I'm an African-American male, you know, mixed. I come from, you know, German and Native American and African-American heritage, but it identified me as a white male. And I would think that I thought that was quite shocking because the tonality of my skin Right. Because, you know, there's very, very uh, colorism is a real thing within the African-American community. And, you know, uh, I'm definitely not as fair skinned as my mom. Um, And so I consider myself more of a caramel color. Right. Okay, (laughs) except for maybe after Mexico. But exactly, exactly. (laughs) I picked up a few shades there. But uh, but it it, it recognized me as, you know, as a white male in my 30s. And I thought, Wow. Now, now I just need to figure out how to get that to work for me. <laughs> yeah. <Corporate America. laughs> no, 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 no. We wouldn't the, ever want you to change, but that's right. But but, you, what did, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, but the danger in that is, you know, you and I understand, you know, why that happens, right? Because of the way that the, uh, the population of the data set, uh, is making an, a, a, a connection and a relationship to, you know, the dimensions on the visualization of, of your face. Right. And so, yeah. Uh, that population was largely um, white, right? White. So yeah. when it saw me, it didn't understand how to interpret, uh, you know, my the tonality of my skin, and that could, in many ways, create, um, if used in the improper way, challenges for our future. Yeah, and and I think so. I mean, as you, because being a data person, you get it. There was a problem in the training data set. 
so the biases were baked into it. And um, as you mentioned it coming from Australia, Glenda Crisp, the CDO of um, NAB in Australia talks mm-hmm. about how when they're training their models, they have to be very careful about historical data. Because if you go back too far, women were not allowed to have their own bank accounts, credit cards, or what have you. So there's a huge bias in financial data sets in certain countries. Even when I lived in Switzerland, I was, and that was only 20 years ago, I was not allowed to have my own bank account because wow. I was married. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Had, had to be in my husband's name. Um, <sighs> That, that's okay. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll, <laughs> Times change, right? It's- yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I do think uh, it's an important topic that we share. And one of the things that I know you do, you try to educate the next generation of data and analytics workers um, coming into this space. So tell us what you do as an adjunct professor. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So I teach a graduate uh, level uh, data and analytics course at San Francisco State University. And that's wonderful, right? Because it's an opportunity to kind of connect to uh, uh, the minds and the hearts of those that are coming up in uh, current times. And some, you know, are coming straight out and hunting for their first job, right? just out of graduate school, and others have been in the workforce for a while. So they've got some experience and and some learned uh, and observed biases. Um, and the dialogue is just quite interesting. What I have found is that it's, it's largely around, um, you know, a humanitarian spirit, if you will, in terms of um, forces for good, right? That no. was, that's been the large dominating um, conversation, uh, which is very different from when you and I were in school, right? Where it was, you know, how do you ensure that you can, um, you know, you've prepped yourself with all the right skills so that uh, a company will want you. It's more that there's been a big shift, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, well, no, I love I, it. I get to decide. I get to decide whether I want to be at that company based on, you know, A, B, and C, X, Y, and Z. What are they doing in, um, you know, the space of diversity, inclusion, and equity, right? How is that represented? What are their uh, programs around forces for good? What are they doing to help save the planet? And how can I analyze that data that's available in the public market to inform my decision-making? I mean, it's quite interesting. I um, love it. Yeah. Well, I don't think we've even spoken about data for good. So, okay. So we have to, <laughs> this will go on another hour. So, okay. So we have to, we have to we have to continue this offline. <laughs> yeah, no worries. But that's great. So what age group would you say this is? Is this the whole industry or or a certain age group or demographic? I'm always um uh careful to um to, to place uh, 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 titles on a demographic. So I will say, um, generically, what I have seen more broadly is it's that um, it's it starts, you know, the conversation with um, folks that are, you know, in middle school and high school, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's never too early to start uh, connecting with those individuals. And VMware certainly has programs uh, specifically, right, around uh, uh, that that we run annually here at, in Palo Alto. We bring students on campus. But but you really start to see the voices 
um, come alive, right, and personalized, um, you know, through those uh, teen and and early twenties, um, because the point of view is so much more informed and very different. And I think part of that is just because of the, um, you know, the uh, the digital and connected uh, world that we live in today, where information is at your fingertips. Um, but I do think there's still yet opportunity, right? Even though you have that information, the power really comes in how you uh, use that information and for what purpose. Yeah, that's good. So when you think about, you you work in a company now that values data, values diversity, values social purpose. But if you think back over the span of your career, is there a time when you think this is just too hard or they don't get it? And how did you navigate out of that? There are days that I wake up today and I think this is too hard and they don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, wait a minute. Are we going to have to edit that out? Okay, who's going to listen to that? Hopefully the entire organization. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guys, you want to keep this person on your team. I can assure you. (laughs) No, I think, um, you know, there's truth and transparency, right? And so I think, um, you know, I have certainly had those days where, um, uh, I've thought it was hard and that and that folks didn't get it. And and I think that comes um, as a natural part of your professional development and personal growth. So it doesn't really matter, you know, where you're working or where you live. You're going to have those moments. I think for me, what um, I've been able to do to navigate those is I've learned this very basic principle of being able to um, pause and try to personify the uh, the opposing party, the 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 audience that's not understanding the message that you're delivering, and ask yourself a few questions. If you were sitting in their chair, would you be asking the same questions? Have you actually looked at and revisited your context, the way that you communicate, the information that you're distilling out to the hearer, right, the recipient? And um, uh, and try to uh, try to consume it as if you were the other side, and that became a pivot point for me because I started to realize that my data literacy was at you know ninety percent, whereas the other individual's data literacy um, and the practices around uh, you know understanding data, how it transforms through systems, and then you know shows up for uh, uh, the consumer to use it, uh, we're on two different ends of the spectrum. And For so sure. my job was to educate, to inform, and to bring them along the journey, as was it to learn and to listen more than I speak. And um, and I always have to, 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 um, to throttle that, right, uh, uh, in order to be effective. So showing a high degree of empathy... Um, and raising the level of data literacy or data fluency, as I like to say, sounds important and how you got through that. Still get through that. Exactly. And it's about speaking the language of the local listener. Excellent. So do you use, you mentioned uh, storytelling earlier. Are you using storytelling as part of that? I am. Um, And, you know, kind of doubling down on the example, right? Helping our um, technology organization, our business uh, partners, and our team members 
um, do that by, um, you know, creating those opportunities where you can tell a story and use the the most simplest example, right? Um, where you might be talking about a data challenge in the organization and oftentimes the default is, oh, the technology doesn't do it. And I'm really careful to say, hey, the technology piece that you might be addressing could be the the right assessment, but you know what? Let's double click on that because that may only be the symptom in terms of how it is presenting itself. The root cause may be embedded in a uh, uh, age-old business process that is not surfacing the right challenge that you're trying to solve for. And we default to saying technology. And oftentimes we need to back up and say, okay, do we have the right data sets? Do we have the right business processes enabled and turned on? Are we leveraging the best of breed tools to deliver and answer whatever said business problem. And so helping people to just dissect that a bit has proven to be very powerful. Yeah. I often say, I feel like we throw so much technology out there because it's easier to change the technology, go for the shiny new thing, than look at these other harder things, whether it's process or culture. So yeah, said that, I mean, I do think there's still opportunity there, right? Sometimes the shiny new object can help us uncover some of the root causes in process and data that otherwise would not have been um, identifiable uh, at the speed in which we need to operate and change. And so pointing the technology back at the problem could also be a very, very good way to, to, uh, or at least we found as a great way to move the needle. Well said. So you have been growing fast, Stefan, uh, not just through hiring, but through acquisition. Tell us about that. Yeah, great question. So we've experienced growth on all edges. So when you think about it, right, it's more than just, uh, you know, growth of the company in terms of acquisitions. By the way, um, there's been nine um, healthy acquisitions this year. But what that has um, what that has also contributed to in growth for us is growth in our people, right? Well over 6,000 added to the uh, population of uh, 20. So we're closer to 30,000 employees, if not over that number now. So 6,000 in one year? 6,000 in one year. Wow. Yeah, wow. it's huge. Yeah. Huge. And then I'm thinking... The master data from yes. nine acquisitions. Yes, yes. <laughs> you're thinking it and I'm sleeping it and breathing it and living <laughs> or it. Or not sleeping it. I would say you're yes. not sleeping it. It's the exactly. messy master data now. <laughs> That's right. And so we've had massive growth in systems, right? And even when you have like-for-like systems, the businesses are different. The processes are different. Mm -hmm. The data handling is different. So we've had growth in complexity in the adoption of those environments into our core and, you know, uh, growth in terms of our mindset, right? So as our business is transforming, we're also thinking about new and innovative ways and what can we learn from, you know, some of the companies that we are acquiring as much as what do we bring and give to them as part of our ecosystem to continue uh, and accelerate and or sustain uh, the growth projection. So it's growth in every dimension. So I like to end with a slightly personal professional question, if you're willing to go here, Stefan, but uh, what are you grateful for? Oh, wow. Um, You know, I am 
I'm grateful for life. I'm grateful for my two wonderful children, one who is, um, you know, in his final stages of university. And I'm grateful that um, I work for one of the most interesting companies on the planet with the leadership that has big vision and super supportive of um, having me participate and uh, contribute as a leader here at VMware. And I'm grateful for this opportunity to spend this time with you and, oh, and being Stephen. able to share it with the world. So <laughs> this is exciting. And I'm so grateful that our our paths in data have, have intersected in multiple places over the years. Thank you so much for being on The Data Chief. Thank you, Cindy. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Data Chief. To learn more about today's guest, recommend a future guest, or listen to more of the show, head over to thedatachief.com. If you have questions for Cindy or comments about the episode, give her a shout on Twitter at BI Scorecard. The Data Chief is brought to you by our friends at ThoughtSpot. Searching through your company's data for insights doesn't have to be complicated. ThoughtSpot makes it easy. With ThoughtSpot, anyone in your organization can easily answer their own data questions, find facts, and make better, faster decisions. Learn more at ThoughtSpot.com. The Data Chief is presented by our friends at ThoughtSpot, the modern analytics cloud company. ThoughtSpot makes it easy for anyone to analyze your company's data with search and AI. Business people at companies like Verizon, CVS, Amazon, Afterpay, OpenTable, and T-Mobile use ThoughtSpot to quickly uncover new insights and turn them into action. And you can learn more at ThoughtSpot.com.